Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gifts that you've given to Juliana and to Eric and to so many others. We thank you for this prayer that you taught us many years ago that Juliana just sung. Lord, and we can say it, we can sing it, but Lord, may we live out each aspect of it in our lives, I pray. In your name, amen. I'm glad the no fishing sign's still there. I like that. I was actually wondering. I was hoping you'd keep that up there. I was, you know, I was quite proud. There was, there was a number of kids that were grasping for the candy. But I was actually quite impressed with how many weren't. I thought, oh, man, look at all these parents raising their kids with, like, you know, sound health message. Even the ones that were grasping for it weren't going crazy. I mean, they were just, you know intrigued by the candy. I mean, she walked past me and I said, oh man, I love those. And I go to Yo Diggity, man, give me those sour worms on my uh, frozen yogurt. Christina goes, it doesn't really help if you get the non-fat yogurt and then load it with the, fro- with the sour worms. I tell her, don't judge me. Um, so I was really, really proud of y'all. So I see that you're teaching them good health standards. But we might want to work on the greed when we get home. Because those kids lost their minds when that $20 bill came out. So back in the day, man, I would have straight up grabbed that candy. Not even worried about the 20, but man, those kids, that $20 bill, they, uh, they must know. So uh, great job on, on helping them not to be too uh, gluttons. Uh, let's work on the greed and uh, what we're modeling there. A friend of mine was back in California was sharing with me a story about an intruder uh, they had had in their house while, an intruder they had come in while he was actually home, which is uh, disturbing, while they were home, which was quite frightening. The individual, it turned out, was not in fact someone that was looking to harm him or to steal from him. Uh, he was, however, in the moment to my friend, a total stranger person who had ended up on the long lawn at the wrong door uh, and headed into the wrong house in the middle of the night. And my friend, when he was confronted by this stranger, this noise is downstairs, and a stranger in the, middle of his, in the middle of the night, in the middle of his house, in the midst of an encounter, which would terrify me, I'm sure, I'm kind of a paranoid person like that. My friend said he, he confronted this person and one word, this very big word that he didn't know he even had in his vocabulary came flying out of his mouth. Now some would say, well, what's, you know, what's the big deal? You're in a tense situation. But my friend, it, it bothered him. Even in that moment when he heard that word come out of his mouth, it bothered him. And when all had settled down, even though the individual in my friend's house was in the wrong, and even though legally my friend could have probably done something, charged him with some sort of crime since he was not where he was supposed to be and he had decided to make haven there in their house. Before the police left and before the man left, my friend walked over to the gentleman and he said to him, 
I want to apologize to you. The man kind of looked at him, said, I want to apologize for, for cursing at you, for swearing at you. As my friend told me, he said, I always envisioned that if I was ever in an intense crisis like that, I'd be calm and, and I wouldn't do something that I'd regret. But there I was in this moment and this word that I can't even remember the last time I said it, flew out of my mouth right directed at that individual. Some of you may think this is ridiculous. Who cares what he said? It's, it's a tense situation. I mean, I've been in less tense situations and, and said things you may think to yourself. But my friend, as do I, believes, he believes that cursing is a sin, that, that, that the language that comes out of our mouth matters. And my friend was in this crisis situation, and he felt in that moment that he had done wrong. And so he went to the individual and asked for forgiveness. Our prayer today addresses just such instances. Not cursing alone, this isn't a sermon on, on cursing, but, but any sin that comes out of trial. As we come to the last sermon in our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we read the final phrase of this prayer, which is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Immediately, a logical question, a logical question that, that arises out of this phrase would be, does God lead us into temptation? Is God the one that tempts us? And then to follow that question, is God therefore then responsible for some of my sin or for my, my leaning towards sin? As always, we want to compare Scripture with Scripture in order to understand what the text is actually saying. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. It's toward the end of your Bible after the book of Hebrews, James, chapter 1. And verse 13, in which the scripture reads, Let no one say, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. No one should say, God is tempting me, because for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does the Bible say, he tempt anyone. This is very, very clear. God does not tempt us to do evil. So is Jesus uh, contradicting his own uh, belief? Jesus, I believe, couldn't have been intending for us to have the understanding that God tempts us or, or he would be con contradicting his own infallible word. So what is being said? Well, while God does not tempt us, he does allow us to go through trials he allows us to face challenges in this world. He allows us to face difficulties. What, the things that we call trouble. The Bible even tells us, warns us, in this world you will have trouble. The petition in this part of the prayer then is praying as I see it. Then, Lord, when I go through trial and trouble, when I go through those moments of trial and trouble, when you allow me to go through these challenges, may they not be so great that they would lead me into temptation. Lord, keep me from being in such a trial or such a challenge or such a difficulty that, that I would go into temptation and that I would fall into sinning. It is, in fact, claiming the promise of God found in 1 Corinthians, if you want to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, in which Paul writes a wonderful passage that has been a strengthening source to many of us and a reminder to many of us when at times we maybe want to blame God for some things. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will provide the way escape also, as that you will be able to endure it. So we see then here another level. In other words, maybe this prayer isn't even saying, uh, don't allow us to be in trials that we'll be tempted. But Lord, when we're in those trials, may the temptation not be so great that we would fall into it. In other words, he's saying, Lead us not into a temptation, into a trial that would give us such a temptation that we cannot resist, and the, then we would fall into evil. I've mentioned, I mentioned last week how this prayer is a countercultural prayer, and this portion of the prayer is countercultural as well, in that basically it is helping us to see that never, never is sin excusable. Even in the most crisis of moments and the most difficult and terrifying of situations, sin is not excusable. We live in a society that loves to rationalize sin. Not just our society, there is something probably in each one of us that loves to rationalize sin. Maybe not, we want to use the word love, but, but does at times rationalize our own sin. Especially when we are in a tough spot. I want to ask you to raise your hands but probably some of you have had a conversation or two maybe with a significant other or maybe with yourself in which you're like, I know I shouldn't have done that. What's the next word? Only a few of you on this side have done it. Maybe these because of the microphone. People over here can't hear me. I know I shouldn't have done that. I mean, does that sound familiar? You, know, you can just nod at me if that sounds familiar to anybody else. We love to rationalize, or whether we love it or not, we do. We rationalize sin. My friend very easily, this friend that was telling me the story, very easily could have said, look, it was the middle of the night. My family was home. There was a stranger in my house. What else am I going to do? Of course something's going to come out that shouldn't come out. Or of course I'm going to do something that I, I shouldn't do. But no, his, his thought was, Lord, forgive me, and not only forgive me, but sir, forgive me. You were in my house. You scared me. I was protecting my family, but I shouldn't have said to you what I said to you. This is what our, time, our society often does and oftentimes accept, accepts. You may remember our former president, Bill Clinton, some of his uh, misgivings in, in his life. In his book, or in, his, in an interview with historian Taylor Branch, Bill Clinton talking about his, his moral failure with Monica Lewinsky, he said, I cracked, I just cracked. If he had said that, that would have been a perfect place to stop. I cracked, I just cracked. But Bill Clinton does what all of us do. He said, but my mother had just died. The Democrats had lost a lot of seats in 1994 in the midterm elections. There was the Whitewater investigation, and I was just so frustrated by the Republican Congress. This was in a USA Today article. I just cracked. I cracked. Stop there. But 
Here's all the reasons why. I agree with our former president. Stress will leave you more open to sin. Stress will make us more susceptible and potential, and it has the potential of making us more susceptible to sin. But that is why we need to pray this prayer and not only pray it and not only sing it and not only hear it, but internalize it in our hearts. Lord, let me never go through a trial that is so great that I will fall into that temptation, that I will give into that temptation. This petition comes perfectly after the petition of forgiveness. Last week we talked about the petition of forgiveness. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When God forgives us, we are not forgiven simply to keep on sinning. I don't say, God, forgive me for getting drunk so that I can get up off my knees and go back to a bar. I don't say, God, forgive me for lusting so that I can get off, off my knees and go back to to. Uh, the internet or pornography. I don't say, God, forgive me for overeating so that I can get back up off my knees and go to the refrigerator and be a glutton again. I don't say, God, forgive me so that I can, so that I can get off my knees and head back to whatever sin I want to rationalize in my life. I say, God, forgive me. And then I get up off my knees asking for the strength of God that I will not go into that sin again. As Christians, we pray, forgive us our debts, and then when we are truly forgiven, when we truly understand that, we begin to move away from those temptations, from those sins. We say, God, help me. God, forgive me. Now, God, help me not to sin against you again. Give me the strength not to fall into that temptation again. I love the order of the prayer. I love that the prayer doesn't say, lead me not in temptation Deliver me from evil, and now forgive me. I love that the order is forgiveness first, and then God give me the strength to be an overcomer. God give me the strength to be an overcomer. We always must remember that, folks, that, that, that the actions of Jesus, the gift, the forgiveness of Jesus, always precedes, always precedes our effort, our abilities, anything that God grants us the ability to overcome. It always comes from Jesus. My friend said, I probably haven't said a word like that in 10 years, so I apologized. And I pray that if I am ever in that situation again, he said, I will be stronger next time. Lord, provide me the strength next time to not enter into the temptation, to not surrender the, to the temptation. It's not a one-time thing. We, we do this on a daily basis. Lord, give me the strength so that next time I will be stronger. Proverbs 24, and chap, uh, chapter 24 and verse 16. I love this text. Though the righteous fall seven times, what? They rise again. I love that text. It's not about being personally stronger. It's about relying more and more and more each day upon God. And so we internalize this. It is about God getting you through those temptations. Again, the Bible says no temptation has overtaken you except is what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let me say a word about that text. And as we're talking about temptation in general. And some of us adults need to hear this. Some of us younger people may need to hear this a little bit more. The text says God provides a way out for temptation. God provides a way out of a tempting situation. I believe this to be true. But I don't believe, I don't believe God provides 
that way out. To the same degree, to the same strength, with the same intentionality, when we intentionally place ourselves in the seat of temptation. I believe there is biblical evidence for this when you read about the lives of Daniel. Daniel, who was in a heathen nation, but he was there not at his own choosing. We read about it with Joseph. Joseph, how did he have the strength to resist that lady, that, that, that draw of that lady? We know he wasn't perfect. We've seen that from the rest of his life story. He wasn't perfect. How did he have the, the strength in that moment? Well, he wasn't there in that tempting moment by his own choosing. Then we read about other people in the Bible. We read about Samson. And we read about Samson and how Samson willfully, time and time again, put himself in the position of temptation. His own choosing. He chose to go to the parties that he knew he shouldn't go to. He chose to hang out with the ladies that he knew he shouldn't hang out with. He chose to touch the dead lion carcass that he knew he wasn't supposed to touch. And he gave some to his parents and even left them defiled as well. He chose to do these things. And so then when he falls into temptation, should we be surprised by this? David, the Bible has a very clear statement. At the time when kings are to go out to the war, David stayed at home. And then another key little statement that you may not realize, at the eve of the day, he went up on the roof of the house. The eve of the day is the time of day in which people would be in their backyards bathing. He willfully chose to put himself, are we surprised then that, that he fell in those situations? Some of us say, Lord, why do I keep falling? And we keep putting ourselves back in the same position over and over and over again. I can give two personal illustrations from my life to say that I believe this to be true, not just from the evidence of Scripture, but from personal experience as well. Not long after I became a Christian, you guys have heard my pre-Christian days, I was in drugs and the whole nine yards. Not long after I became a Christian, only been clean for a short time, I went back to California to visit some friends, and I was like, I'm going to go back to California, and I'm going to be a witness, and I'm going to do all this. And I found myself doing the exact same things that I had done before. And when I say that, I was going to this party, and I was going to that party, and I was hanging out with these people that I knew I shouldn't hang out with, and I was hanging out with these girls that I knew I shouldn't hang out with. And by the end of three weeks there in Southern California, as I'd been hanging out there with some old friends and, and, and surrounded by those things over and over and over and over and over again, by my own choosing, I found myself sitting there with a drink and with drugs, doing the same thing that I had just said I was never going to do again. I'd willfully put, me in to that, put myself in that spot. And I remember when, when, I, when I fell, when I, when, I, when I made these mistakes, when I made these mistakes, I remember just saying to God, how could you let this happen to me? I'm a Christian now. How could you let me fall like this? At that time, I didn't understand. I look back now, and I realize God probably was saying to me, I didn't put you in these situations. You put yourself in these situations. 
Jump ahead a year later, just one year later, I don't think I was any stronger, any more impressive or anything, any greater of a Christian, any more committed, any more convicted. But I went to Union College. I chose to go to Union College because many of the people that I had spent time with and hung out with that, that I did some nefarious things with were going to Pacific Union College. Now, I have no blight against Pacific Union College. I want to speak no ill against all the people of Pacific Union College. Please know that, Heather Knight. She's a good friend of mine, the president at PUC. I love it. All of my family is alumni of Pacific Union College, except for me. Um, but I decided I wasn't going to go there because I knew the people that I would most likely be drawn to, the friends of my past. It's easy to... Birds of a feather flock together. It's easy to go with what we're familiar with. And so I made the decision, I'm not going to go to Pacific Union College. I'm going to go to someplace in the middle of nowhere. And is there anywhere more in the middle of nowhere than Nebraska? I don't think so. I said, there's almost nobody that attends this school. There's like 500 people. This is smaller than the academy that I went to. I'm going to go to this school. And I went to that school. And right away, I made this friend. And I'll just call him Tom. And Tom was a great guy, and we had some mutual friends from, others, from, from my academy back in Ohio. And we were hanging out and spending time together, and, and I was having a great time. And we, we'd go to, uh, we were at Vespers together, and we played sports together, and golf, and basketball, and all kinds of things. And I was like, man, I didn't think I was going to have any friends here, and I have this friend. I'm so excited. And I'm hanging out with him. And one time we're going someplace, and we're headed someplace, and we show up at this place, and I'm like, what are we doing here? He's like, oh, just, it's just a party I want to check out. I was like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He goes, oh, no, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Well, sure enough, there's drugs and drinking there. I can tell you, absolutely not for one moment was I tempted. In fact, I was disgusted. What was the difference? One was my own choosing, in which I willfully put myself in. And one, I was not my choice. I just ended up there in a situation in which I didn't want to be in. And God immediately showed me a way out. My way out was like, we're going right now, you're taking me. Oh, come on, now, let's go. Luckily, I was bigger than him, and I had crazy bleached white hair, and I could make myself look crazy. And I probably was a little crazy. God showed me the way out. I think, folks, this is an important lesson for us to understand about temptation. And young people, I hope that you will hear this. That so many of us say, man, why do I fall again? And we put ourselves in those situations time and time again. And I think the Bible is very clear that when we sit in the seat of temptation, we will fall. But if we find ourselves in a position in which it's not of our own choosing, God gives us that strength. He shows us that way out. Psalm 1-1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. John Calvin said about this text, The sum of the whole is that the servants of God must endeavor to utterly abhor the life of ungodly men. But as it is the policy of Satan to insinuate his deceits in a very crafty way, the prophet, in order that none may insensibly be deceived, shows how by little and little men are ordinarily induced to turn aside from the right path. They do not at first step advance so far as a proud contempt of God, but having once begun to give ear to evil counsel, Satan leads them step by step 
farther astray till they rush headlong into open transgression. You notice the progression of the text. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a progression there. There's a progression there, and it's better just to stay away completely. We are blessed when we make the decision to say, I will not walk with the world, but I will walk with my God, which is the second part of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. Our prayer is not just for strength when we are in temptation, but that we will literally be delivered away from evil. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. I believe that what is being spoken of here is that we will develop a hatred for sin. You know, I tell my kids, don't hate anything. I always tell them, we don't use the word hate, right? Have you ever said that to your kids? We don't use the word hate. We can strongly dislike. But I hope, parents, I'm not going against you in this. If you shared your... I would encourage our kids, and I would encourage us as adults too, to pray for a development of a hatred of sin. A hatred of sin. Deliver me away from evil. God, give me a hatred for sin. When I'm in this world and I see sin, help me not to want to explore it, but give me a hatred for sin. When, I, when I'm walking along the way and I realize that I'm walking in, 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 in the wickedness of this world, Lord, put in my heart a hatred for that. If I find that I've gotten to that place where I'm standing, Lord, remind me and, and, and please pull me out of there. Give me a hatred for that sin. Lord, let me not sit down and enjoy that sin. Deliver me from evil, Lord. Deliver me from my natural self and make me more like you. Lord, deliver me from the love of evil. Deliver me from the desire to be around evil and help me to love only the things, only the things that you love. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And then verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Not only are we to pray for, for a hatred of evil, but, but then we want to replace that with something. And what we should replace it with is a love for the things of God. Before I accepted Christ, I thought you all were the most boring and ridiculous people ever in the history of mankind. And when I say you, I mean Christians, not you personally, so don't get offended by that. I could not understand how this life could be enjoyable. But as I've fallen more and more in love with Jesus, I can't understand how I ever thought the other life had anything to offer. I praise the Lord that the more I hate sin and the more I love him and the more I love the things of him, the happier I am and the more blessed and full my life is. I want to invite you now to take out your connection cards. Those cards that you had with you or that came in your bulletins. I want to remind you of that middle rectangle. Some of you may be tempted 
to leave here without saying what you want to be a part of in the evangelistic series. I know that you're, none of you are going to give in to that temptation. Just say a quick prayer. Don't give in to that temptation right now. We're going to talk specifically about my response, my prayer response today. Lord, give me strength to walk for you in every joy and trial of my life. That's basically lead me not into temptation. It's saying, Lord, let me walk for you in both the joys and the trials of my life. Maybe you're going through some hard times right now and you're finding yourself more susceptible to sin. Say, Lord, give me this strength. Help me to walk for you even in the midst of this trial. Maybe your life is great right now and you realize that in that abundance of joy that maybe you become a little lackadaisical in some things. That happens too. God, whether I'm in joy or in trial, help me to walk in strength for, with you every day. And then the second one, Lord, this is our prayer response today. Lord, help me to love more and more the things of God and less and less the things of this world. This is a work of God so that no man can boast. So let us remember that as we pray this prayer. Not I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna work harder, I'm gonna be better. No, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the desire. Give me the internal fortitude to hate the things of this world more and more and to love the things of God more and more. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you walk with us. We thank you that there's the promise that there is no temptation that will be set before us that you will not show us a way out. Lord, forgive us that sometimes we ourselves intentionally place ourselves in tempting situations. And Lord, I believe even then your voice is calling to us and trying to show us a way out, but, but I know that, that when I've intentionally put myself in a situation, and I'm sure it's the same for my brothers and sisters, it's much harder to hear that voice and to see that way out. So Lord, help us never to go there. But when we are confronted with temptation, when we are in a situation which is not of our own choosing, Lord, give us the strength to resist. Give us the desire to hate evil and to love that which is good. Lord, and may we not do this in a spirit of judgment over others, but may we simply live and speak with the love and the grace and the mercy of sinners who are saved by the grace and the patience and the kindness of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in your name, amen.